Howdy, folks. Happy Friday, TGIF. Uh, we are now, I believe, what, 10 days away from the trade deadline. It's probably going to get very busy from here until February 24th. We've only had two what I would consider major deals uh, in, in February, but I think it's going to pick up, especially with uh, the number of injuries that have gone on in the last week or so, affecting teams that are competing for playoff spots. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Uh, Russ, um, want to start us off with the pre-show? Yeah, uh, more Astros fallout. So more of what we were talking about yesterday, because this was handled so poorly mm. by the Astros owner and the players in a very cowardly fashion, baseball players are going to police this situation. And so when the Dodgers play the Astros and Curt Clayton Kershaw's pitching, watch out. And I think that is the biggest fallout that will now happen because they haven't they haven't satisfied many of the players. I mean, we've heard at least four or five players speak out on how upset they were about the situation, and they don't feel like baseball handled it well. And apparently, Kev, they've been arguing. I'm not arguing. They've been turning the Astros in for a couple of years now, and Major League Baseball didn't do anything about it. So this is this this problem is not going away. Well, I would agree with you. I mean, it seemed uh, you know, lame is the word that everybody seems to have embraced um, in terms of their apology. You know, an amazing part of that is I'm reasonably sure that this, uh, you know, some they brought someone in to tell them what to do, and this right. decided um, they should do. And you know, the one thing that it lacked um, is a sincerity. Um, yeah, right. You know, and it would have been much better had they just opened up the room and let everybody say their piece, um, and uh, rather than have an orchestrated and prepared statements, and um, and it just, uh, you know, and I I think just what you said, it was handled poorly, and uh, it doesn't even matter whether it was sincere or not because it was it was handled so poorly, it was just it was difficult to 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 believe it. Um, yeah. and, Kev, it was a case study in that and how not to do it. First of all, the day before on uh, on Wednesday, they they the media was all there and they didn't make anybody available. Right. That, like you know, I don't know what event it was, but it was they basically made nobody available. Then yesterday, Altuve and Bregman, I think, were available for that they they for ninety seconds. It was something ridiculous and Jim Crane the owner comes out and contradicts himself saying I don't think it had an effect on the game and then 15 seconds later says oh I think it had an effect on the game it's like I mean if there was a PR crisis manager that was hired um his his of uh, his profession is in trouble I mean or he's in trouble because they screwed everything up yeah no it didn't it, did, it didn't come across well but you know the biggest issue here is something totally out of the Astros control, which is whether or not their title should have been vacated, uh, whether or not it should be an asterisk, all those things. Like, they don't have any control. And I think that's what that people want. I'm not sure any level of apology no. uh, is going to work for the masses. It's kind of like no different than what we see now in the political uh, sure. scene. Um, you know, the Attorney General um, Barr comes on and said what, um, uh, you know, Democrats wanted him to say. Uh, and then now the, the, the question is, um, you know, was it sincere? Was, you know, was it orchestrated? So, um, you know, no level of apology really was going to work. But that doesn't change the fact that it was handled so poorly. Yeah. That, that you know, now it's just taking it beyond to a, to a different level. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just feel like even though I think this, this issue is a little bit complicated because um, sign stealing is a long tradition, Sure. Um, it's just when you go to that length to steal sides that it's, um, you know, becomes illegal and unethical. You know, the guy standing on second base, that's just part of the logistics of the game. It's, it's actually kind of a fun tradition, you know, because right. it's, it's a lot harder than, you know, that's the one thing that's been lost in all this is how difficult it is. It really speaks to the talent of major league players that, mm -hmm. you know. Uh oh. Uh-oh. Um, it has to capture that and then uh, relay it to the guy on the garbage cans yeah. who has to, to relay it to the batter. And all this has happened within a second. And yet guys like Bregman and uh, Altuve, they can take advantage of that. that. That's how incredible these athletes are. And apparently there, and I heard this from the guy, from uh, the guy on Twitter, John boy, who, uh, 
who broke this a few months ago. Like I, I said, I think he he should win a Pulitzer Prize. He's, 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 he's unbelievable. But he came out, he was inter interviewed on a New York radio station, and he said, you know, a lot of major league teams, and this isn't illegal, but there's some sort of app that somebody developed that could decode signs, basically the sequence. It's like there's an algorithm where you type in like three, two, one, two, three, and it tells you fastball or curveball. And all the major yeah. league teams are using that, but that's not illegal. No, no, but it's not – it's illegal to use it at the ballpark. Like you're not allowed to have your cell phone in the no, dugout. Man, but they're, they're doing it after the fact, Ross. Right, like, after the fact. That, but they that's fine. While the game's going on, that's the issue. Right, but because these video rooms are right off of the, right. Right off of the dugout. That's what makes it illegal. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, and, and I'll tell you something right now. The the batters who who touched the dirt in the in the batter's box when Bob Gibson was pitching, <laughs> they got it, they got it in the chops when they did that. That's what the Astros are gonna get all year because there are people who are pissed. There's a lawsuit against them from some guy who got uh uh you know uh, got sent down after he got bombed by the Astros. A lot of teams are pissed off. This is this is going to be frontier justice, and I don't think if, if Major League Baseball starts suspending people for throwing at the Astros, then they're going to look like a protected class. I mean, th th this is it has. Oh, to come be. on, they have to suspend them. You you can't have you have to suspend guys. No, if they throw at the, the Astros. Okay, yeah. it'll, it'll be some guy that's called up from AAA, and he'll be the whatever. Team. But they'll be yeah, suspended. but you got you got to suspend them. I mean, you yeah. can't let you know. Right, I, I tend to go a step too far. Okay, let me let me just let me just relate this uh, this story quickly because it's a little it's a little gross, but it, probably funny too. I was on my way up to Toronto yesterday for the uh, Leafs Dallas Stars game. Um, previous to that, I had bought a new a brand new pair of earbuds, not expensive ones, just like the wired ones, like the nine dollar Skull Candy, because the ones I had were old and the wired separated, so I could only hear out of one. So I'm listening. I'm listening to something on the on my on my phone, and just before getting off the train, had to go to the on on train facilities to, to uh, you know to take care of something, and the train hits a bump, a, a rather uh, you know rather big bump, and the headphones fall out of my ears and right into the toilet. Needless to say, they ended up in the garbage because based on the the blue slime that was in this toilet, I was never putting them anywhere close to me again. So there you go. That's just my, my bad luck anyway. Okay. You know, it's like, you know, luckily it wasn't like a, a pair of uh uh you know, what are the expensive uh big headphones? That those are wasn't your glasses. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I've heard many a tale of, uh, you know, people losing their cell phones out of their pockets. So, oh, yeah. yeah. It happened to me once. Yeah. Oh, God. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, February 14th, 2020. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm Russ Cohen, and apparently I'm Kevin Allen's biggest fan, according to Facebook, and have a badge to prove it. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that story. Uh, that I got away. The only thing is, I didn't recognize your phone number. I know, I know. So, so I had to find out who it was, who, who my biggest fan was. I'm Kevin Allen, uh, still a free agent. And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, we'll start with a rather puzzling uh incident last night i was at the i was at the stars leafs game and all of a sudden zach cassian's name was trending kevin and i checked out the video uh of the, the oilers playing tampa Bay. and believe me the oilers don't need this right now with mcdavid out um and james neal out so they need all hands on deck zach cassian in a sort of uh, scrum on on the uh, on the ice. So I think it was with Eric Cernak, the big defenseman, kicks him basically in the middle of the chest with his skate. Now we know that this is not the first rodeo for Cassian because he he got suspended for the Matthew Kachuk incident earlier in the year. He's had some other incidents regarding center ice checks and things of that nature. But this is a new level because when when players. Will, will kick with skates, especially with the with the rash of skate cuts that we've had recently. Th that's you know that's extremely dangerous. So I mean I think 
he's going to get the book thrown at him. And I'm not talking about like three or four games. I think it's going to be an in-person hearing and he could get seven, eight, 10, something like that. What, what do you think, Kev? Yeah, I, you're definitely talking an in-person hearing. Um, you know, that's assault with a, uh, with a scary, you know, weapon. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, hockey players don't fear much, but I think they fear skate cuts. Um, and, yeah. you know, most, most of them, you know, the vast majority happened by accident. So when something like that happens, I think, uh, and I think most players would support that. Um, I mean, that's just the absurdity of that. And as you mentioned, boy, the timing couldn't be worse, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, given the circumstances there. So, yeah, I would agree with you. I, I wouldn't want to predict. I think uh, Peros, uh, who's a very smart man, has been rather unpredictable, I think, in, in terms of – uh, sorting out uh, what he's going to uh, to do. Um, I think he's sincere in what he does, but I, you know, he's not a what I call a consensus judge. No, uh, you know, he's uh, he's a guy that's sort of uh, been difficult to predict. So I wouldn't want to say, but I I agree with you. If you don't call that in for a in person hearing, then you know where are we at? No, he does have an in person hearing that is set up. Yeah. So he's going to get at least five. I, I think he should get ten. I don't know if he will get ten. Right, but I, they also have to just ask this guy, like, what what's wrong? Can you not control yourself? Because that is so much of a scary situation that I might, you know, tell him you might have to go to anger management class because this has gone beyond, you know, swinging even a stick at somebody. Like, you know, you gash open this guy's chest, we, you know, you're in jail. You're probably going to jail. Yeah. 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 I know. I, I think I think definitely, and like I said, you know, we've had two incidents in the last, I'd say, month. You know, one and both of them were accidental: the Sezikis uh, skate cut, and then the Ilya Mikhaev uh, uh, laceration. Well, also, Perlini on his nose. Who was it? Brendan Perlini had a skate cut on his oh, nose. Oh, okay, I, I didn't know about that one. But but what we're saying is these skates are sharp, sharpened to you know weapon like sharpness. So yeah. you know, you Casey Kazikas, because he's out four to six with a skate yeah. cut on his leg. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah. that was the first one yeah. I mentioned. So yeah, I mean, so you know, this is not something to be dilly dallied with. It, it, no. You are you have two weapons on your on your feet, and if yeah. you're if you're doing that. Um, you know, it's it's just not not good. So I mean, now Kevin, the, the funny thing is, with the, you're talking about the consistency of of George Peros, Russ and I were talking yesterday with Ak about the uh, the incident with Brendan Gallagher and Zdeno Chara, and yeah, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, I mean, Chara is a monster, so he's going to leave. You know, it's like a bull in a china shop. He's going to leave things things in his wake, but. I go back to the playoffs last year in Game Seven when he punched John Tavares and knocked him down with a with a with a right cross to the jaw, and then uh, a couple days ago with the cross check to the throat and jaw of Gallagher. And believe me, I'm sure that most of his teammates would have paid the five thousand dollars just to have them do it, him have him do it. But I can't believe he didn't get suspended for either one of them. Yeah, yeah, particularly this last one too. I, you know, when my my wife was a longtime high school uh, soccer coach, and uh, she it used to bother her that big players uh, in soccer, especially high school soccer, are always seen in her mind to be called more for fouls. And she would always tell the referee, you know, it's not a foul to be big. Um, and I think Chara, um, I think referees tend to give him uh, the benefit of the doubt because he is a big guy. And, and so they tend to think, uh, well, you know, I don't want to overcharge him. But now they've carried it to the extreme because he's getting undercharged, in, in my, my opinion. And in this case, like, uh, you know, that stick to the face, mm. how could that not be at least a one-game suspension? You know, Char has been skirting this for a while, Kev, and he really does deserve some sort of suspension at some point. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way he has a clean record. He's been playing dirtier the last two years as he's gotten a little older, and he definitely should get some sort of suspension, and he should have for that, but the day is coming. It has to be. I mean, you can't just keep letting this guy get away with what he wants to at his size. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. And, uh, you know, getting uh, going back to Cassian, I, I wonder whether um, Peros will uh, kind of split the difference between five and ten. and Yeah, it might go seven. Go seven, seven or eight. Uh, probably seven, but yeah. we'll see. Now, we have seen a 
an incredible rash of injuries in the last, uh, I would say, week to 10 days and involving, you know, like we mentioned Sezekis, you know, McDavid is out for, you know, they say two to three weeks with this quad injury. I think they're just being extra careful. And let's, let me just touch on that one, Kev, because um, McDavid had his injury la- in the last game of last year, not treated by the, the Oilers medical staff, but he, he handled it on his own with a doctor named Mark Lindsay in the Toronto area and, get, and had it rehabilitated with Gary Roberts and a, a whole team in Toronto. And when this injury happened, he immediately went to Toronto and is handling it on his own, not handling it through through the Oilers. And the, the, some of the questions are being raised. It's like, okay, I mean, you know, he's got a vested interest in his career, so I, I don't know why the Oilers would have a problem with that. I mean, you know, but but there are some people who are saying, well, they're not in the loop on this, and and is that a good thing or is that something that they probably don't like too much? Well, I, I think they should definitely be in the loop, but uh, you know, I'm respectful of the fact that uh um you know the players are not slaves uh and they have their own physicians and um i think it's well within their rights uh to consult with that um um but i also think that you know if if they're indeed and you know i don't know whether they are or they aren't on this but if they're not you know they should be i mean sure i don't even know why you know, Connor McDavid would not want them in the loop. Oh, I, I'm sure they're yeah. being informed, but I, you know, if yeah. they weren't hand hands on, you know, like I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. I, well, people just always want control, sure, and and it always just sort of feels like you know, if you're going to, if a player is going to his own physician, that they don't have uh, control, and you know. Th- this should have happened a long time ago, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. if you have the means, as superstars do, you know, you ought to be uh, entitled to go to whomever you want to, because it is your future. Um, and uh, you know, a, a team, a team physician is beholding, and they all take oaths. And I don't, I'm not suggesting for a minute that that uh, team physicians are playing players when they when they should, but. Um, but their allegiance is, is to the team. You know, that's the, you know, they're the team physician. So if I'm a player, I would want my guy who's his only concern is, is me, um, you know, to, to, you know, to, to be my guy. So um, I think we're going to see more and more of that in all sports. Um, and you, you, you've already seen it for years. Uh, you know, how many uh, shoulders immediately go to Andrews. Right. And uh, uh, in baseball and, you know, you see it in other sports as well. Guys get a reputation and, uh, you know, players want to go to them and, uh, you know, agents know who the best people are and they want to get their guy there as well. So I don't, I don't really think there's any controversy here. I think the big question in, <clears throat> in, in Edmonton, because I, I just think it's so important that they make the playoffs. And, you know, I, I wrote a freelance piece this week on hockey buzz about that. And I was surprised that not all the uh, Oilers fans agree with me, uh, you know, which really just kind of speaks to how sports have changed. I think there's two levels now, of rooting for your team there mm-hmm. when you want them to win. And then when you want them to lose, right. Or, or, or you, that you, yeah. uh, that you're, that you're tolerant of uh, not sacrificing anything as part of the rebuild. And, you know, some of the arguments that Oilers fans have made about not going for it is they don't want to give up any prospect. And, right. and, you know, my feeling is that there are times when it's worth giving them up. And, and sometimes it's to make a good run at the cup, Mm-hmm. Or in this case, just to get into the playoffs because you haven't been there uh, only once in the last 13 seasons. And I think the fan base needs that. I think the league needs Connor McDavid yeah. in the playoffs. They, you know, he's the most dynamic player in the game. They need him in there. They need Dreisaitl in the playoffs. Um, you know, you want the best players to play. And you know what? The Pacific is wide open. Yeah. Like if you ended up second playing a, the third place team, you know, I, who knows? You know, I I, I don't see them uh, the Oilers among the prime contenders, but I would be more than willing to give up third round picks and fourth round picks. Sure, I would do that. Yes. Yeah, and uh, you know, Paul Jarvey, I would uh, I would move. Uh, yeah, they have to move him anyhow, so I'm okay with that too. I and, and if Ken Holland says I'm not giving up my first round pick, I'm very respectful of that. Yeah. But, yeah, but you know, you there are ways you got to be creative. Like part of being. Uh, a new wave general manager, a modern general manager, right. is to find the creativity to not sacrifice or endanger your future 
right. to make moves to make it better. Now, you know, I, I wouldn't give up like two firsts to get some player, but um, I, you know, I, I would, I might give up a second depending on who it is. Um, right. And uh, you know, I might give up a B prospect or a B plus prospect. I wouldn't give up, you know, an A prospect if I was the Oilers, but I think there are ways they can help the team. You know, for example, Glenn Denning, a player that Ken Holland knows a lot about. Right. He has a friendship with Eisenman, so uh, the starting basis of trade talks will be rather simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is he going to cost more than a third round or fourth round pick? No. no. No, and I'll tell you why. He'll be thrilled to get out of there because a month and a half ago when I was interviewing him, there was nobody sadder in the Red Wings locker room when they were lost like 10 straight than Glenn Denning. He was yeah. just killing them. Yeah, and he, and he could be a helpful player. You know, this is yeah. a guy who scored 10 to 12. Um, so, that, you know, those are the kind of moves that uh, I think they could make, and I, I still think it's very important. So that gets us all back to Conor McDavid. But all of that is, you know, that's why getting him back on the ice, you know, is is pretty darn uh, crucial. And, for the and, and with my usual uh, sense and, and tendency for hyperbole, I said to Ak earlier in the week, I said, I think the Oilers, if, if McDavid's out for two or three weeks, this could, this could be the difference between making and missing the playoffs. Their schedule is not exactly tough. They, you know, they played – uh, you know, they played Chicago and they beat them. They played Tampa without Stamkos, Kucherov, uh, McDonough, and Sorelli, and they they lost three to one. So, you know, I, if if they can get through this at five hundred, they may have a chance of making the playoffs. But it's going to be tough without the best player in the league to play five hundred hockey. There's one part though that's lost in this, Kev, and we hit on it the other day because I asked Mike if it was the same side as his knee back quad is, yeah. and we don't know what the durability of Connor McDavid will be the rest of the season because he already came back without getting surgery, which was unprecedented. And so you don't know what this is going to do to him and what kind of shape he'll be in when he comes back because this is all uncharted territory. So just to say he'll be back in two or three weeks is one thing, but he he might come back 75% because he just may not be able to be 100% or even close to it until the season ends and he can start rehabbing again. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's fair. I'll, but we've also talked to players who have said, uh, you know, sometimes an injury uh, can be a blessing. Now, not in this case because there's, right. you know, so much at stake because you get some rest, you know, yeah. going into the playoffs. So, um, you know, he's obviously played a lot of hockey and, you know, he logs a lot of minutes, right. uh, you know. So uh, one issue that's out there that I wanted to talk a little bit about, because I know you guys have addressed this before too, but I had it confirmed. I talked to Jim Nill this week uh the Dallas Stars GM, uh, you know, on the record. And, and just because, you know, I asked him uh, how much chatter there was out there. And he said, not as much uh, as you would have thought there would be by now. And he said, the, the problem is, is there's really only five, there's not enough players in the marketplace. Right. He said, really only in his get, in his estimation, he didn't name them. Uh, and, and uh, but he said, there are only five teams committed to selling players. Uh, and he said, uh, in, in in two cases, he's not interested in in those two teams' players. Um, uh, 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 and uh, you know, so there, you know, with five teams available, and he goes, there are five teams roughly that um, that have are committed to going out and getting players. So anyway, the bottom line is, there's just not enough out there to um, go out and 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 think that. Now's the time to make moves. You're gonna have to wait till you get closer when teams right. and then still there are teams like even the Canadians might still be in this fog. Yeah, yeah. Chicago is definitely in this fog, thinking they're still in it, and they're gonna have to have it smack them in the face before they realize what their actual plan is. So I, I get that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Buffalo is at sixty, and 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 the. Uh, uh, the Leafs are at 68 in third place, so they're eight points out of third place. They may be under some sort of fantasy that they yeah. they play Toronto on Sunday that they catch them. Yeah, if you're at 58 or 60 points right now in this season in the East, you're done. Yeah, they've got four teams in between them, so it's right. like that. You know, Jason Botterill can't be lying to himself, but no. but no, I mean, and I, that'll probably sort itself out in in a week or so when these teams come to the realization that they're that maybe they're mathematically still in it, but they're not realistically still in the playoff race. I would say there's probably going to end up being about 10 sellers. It's just a question of the quality that's out there. We've, we've heard Kreider, he may resign. We've heard to Foley and Pajot. 
we've heard Botnan and Brendan Dillon. But after that, it's like, you know, a bunch of Dylan DeMello. And I'm not minimizing Dylan DeMello, but a bunch of Dylan DeMello UFAs making 900000 or veterans where you're going to where salary is going to have to be retained. It's not a great tra- it's not a great market. And there's not a lot of cap space out there, Kev. No, there isn't. I, I'm less worried about that. I, I think, uh, you know, the guys always seem to figure out how to manipulate cap space in order to make it work. But um, right now, there's not a lot out there. And I, I, I think Kreider will eventually end up in the marketplace. Um, I know they're making an effort to resign him, but if you're getting this close. I know. It's hard to bang out a deal in two weeks. That's what no. I kept saying, too. Yeah, I just don't see it getting done. And, you know, you would think he would just want to test the market and see what's out there because. I don't think they can afford to give him what he could get in the marketplace. No, I think he wants seven years, and I don't think they're willing to give seven years. No. But let's let's talk about the other issue there. Okay. Kev, we've seen this before. We saw this with uh, Derek Jeter in New York. We saw this in other places where all of a sudden the uh, the aging star is set in his, in his ways. There's a contract that you can't do anything about, and teams – management, do everything they can to sort of push this guy out. In New York, this happens all the time. It always happens a couple of years before you expect it to, but now it's not that for for Lundquist. But I don't really like the way the Rangers are doing this. I don't like the fact that Quinn names just jerking the number one. Then, of course, he hurts his ankle. That's typical Ranger fashion right there. You name your number one goalie, and then the guy gets hurt. Um, So Lundquist is still there, and he's he's telling – I don't know how he told people with a straight face – that Lundqvist and Georgiev are fighting for a job. Like, I don't know how you say that with a straight face. To me, this is so obvious what's going on, but they don't realize Lundqvist isn't going to care. He cares in his heart that, he, you know, this is going to bother him down the line, but he's not going to leave just because you want him to. Yeah, I, it's a tough situation. And I, in this case, I always feel, you, you know, you should just basically be totally open with the player and, yeah. and, and treat him with respect. Like, he's right. been an institution. You know, yeah. with the with the Rangers, and he's the best goalie uh, they've ever had in the history of the franchise. Yeah, and I get that some fans, you know, are, you know, don't always love him, but I think that's just part and parcel of of uh, being a goalie in, in an NHL city. Um, you know, not everybody loves Carey Price every every, right. you know, every day. Uh, that's just the way it, way it goes. I don't think there's a harder job than being a goalie in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the problem that I see it is. Um, Henry Lundqvist sees himself as a New Yorker. Like he yeah. told me this fall that he was planning to to retire there unless he yeah. changes his mind. So you know, the, I think this would be hard for him. Um, the, but the, I, I just wonder at this point whether he would just for the good of the team, um, if you ask him you know, nicely, um, because hey, boy, wouldn't he look good playing for Carolina um, or Colorado? Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah or. or I, I never gotten the feeling he would, Kev. Just the same answer he gave you is the right. same answer he's always given. And I always felt like when he won a gold medal, that satisfied him a little bit. He would like to win a cup, but he also doesn't want to uproot his family, and he likes being in New York, and that's what he is. Yeah, but, you know, he doesn't really have to uproot his family. Uh, you know, he, no, I know, but. You know, he could just, you know, stay where he is and then go to Carolina. I mean, you know, it's not an ideal situation. But, you know, you may be right. Maybe he's like Matt Sundin. Remember, Matt's had a chance to leave, yeah, um, and he just said, nah, "No." I mean, I'll give you. Oh, yeah, I remember that one, Kevin. I'll give you yeah. an example, though. I know a guy who used to manage a well-known supermarket in the city. Right, every week, Lundquist would go in there with his family, with his kid, and they go shopping in the supermarket, just like he's anybody else. Right, that's the kind of life he wants to have in New York until he's probably retired. And then he'll probably split time between like New York and Sweden, but that's the kind of life he has. And I don't think he even wants to change that a little. And if, it, it, you know, cause he has a no movement clause. So if, if he says, I'm not going to move, they can't move him. Does nothing. Right. The solution might be, and I, 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 this would be bad, really bad optics, but the solution might be to buy him out of the last year of his contract. They won't do it. That would be the worst. I mean, Right. I can't tell you they're adverse to the worst PR because the Knicks are already getting the worst PR, but I don't think they want it times two. No, and yeah, I, I just can't see him. I mean, especially with John Davidson um, there. Um, yeah, that would look really bad. 
Yeah, I, I don't see them. Besides, they need to buy out Mark Stahl. Mark, Henrik Lundqvist can still play. Right. Mark Stahl is the one that actually, that's their last buyout that they could use. They can't waste it on Lundqvist. And it, honestly, they could go with the three goalies, like I said, yeah. next year, roll into the season with it. They can get another goalie to put in Hartford that has some NHL experience so they can make him available for the expansion draft. And then at the deadline, they could ask Lundqvist, hey, would you want to go somewhere for a quarter of the season? And if he doesn't, then he retired. Then he just walks away from being a Ranger and he's a free agent. And then you worry about, you know, you don't worry about Lundqvist after next year. And Russ, what this tells me is that they're not getting any kind of offer that they think is worthy of Georgiev. Not that they wanted, right? Yeah, and then I think they were. I think they were looking for, and and they may get this at the draft, Kev. They may get a offer for Georgiev because they believe he might be a future number one for somebody else. I, just not for them because they have Shashurkin. But, you know, they're probably wanting a, f- a first-round pick or a top a top nine forward from somebody who's young and retainable. And they're probably not getting that right now because teams that are interested in him aren't willing to give that up. So yeah, the, the Leafs killed the goalie market. I, I tell you that because they got Campbell so reasonably yeah. that killed anything for Georgiev. The only thing that would raise the price or get their price for Georgiev is in the next two weeks, a number one goes down where a team doesn't like their backup and they feel like they can win the cup. That is the only way. Yeah. Um, Kev, I want to get your um, impressions on the deal that uh, Jim Rutherford made. Jim Jim Rutherford is, you know, for the hockey buzzcast needs to send him like a gift box because he, uh, he he's always the one who makes the deal. And, you know, the Penguins are in the opposite position of the Oilers because the Oilers, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl are young. They've got years, although, you know, there's pressure from the market to make the playoffs. Rutherford's in the position where he's got Malkin and Crosby in their early 30s. The window is closing. They We said that when they traded for Phil Kessel a couple years ago. Now they get Zucker, and they traded one of their better prospects in their organization and a 2020 first-round pick. And I don't think they care. I mean, I heard him interviewed, and he's like, okay, we have to go for it because we got these guys. We've got an opportunity to win another cup in the next couple years. And they get Zucker for Kale and Addison, a number one, and dump Alex Galchenyuk's salary. I, I think that's a really great deal, really a great deal for, for the Penguins. Oh, it's a it, it, it's a home run. Um, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, that's who Jim Rutherford is. Uh, historically, he makes trades um, usually before, well before the trade deadline. You know, going back to the year he won the cup, I think he got Doug Waite in January, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what he likes to do. He likes to so they have time to assimilate into the team. Uh, you know, he got a player not a rental. He got a player who's going to be able to be on the team. Um, you know, they're always short. seems like because they got two superstar centers, they're always short um, of wingers. And by, mean, by that, I mean quality wingers who can play with elite-level centers. I think Zucker can do that. Um, it's just a great, great fit and a great trade. And, you know, I don't care. That's why, and I've talked to Jim about this and where I've sort of got my idea that, you know, we, we, we over worry about cap space, Jim Rutherford, regardless of what his cap situation right. always finds a way to make a deal. Well, well we have to, Kev, he, I'm starting to give credit though to their capologists because they have more cap space than a lot of teams under them even with the salaries they have on that team, they have three and a half, they have $3.3 million in cap space. We have to give, we have to give a nod of, of the cap to the cap. All you know, well, well, for sure. But yeah. I, I, you know, they, they, he just always figures out a way to do it and he right. knows what he's got to do. He knows what salary he's got to move out. Um, you know, he's always got a plan. He's got a plan B. So um, I, I watched some of the wild game yesterday, right? They played the Rangers. They did get a point. So that, that helps them a little bit, but I got to tell you, they had, the shootout, they got ripped off in the shootout because Artemi Panarin was going into shootout on, on Stalock, and he made two moves, and he drifted to the outside of the net, and he drifted backwards and then shot it high. They The refs huddled up, and they determined that the puck didn't stop forward motion, but I'm telling you, it stopped forward motion because it went sideways like he did. So that's something where this time of the year – Boy, that, that really could hurt a team's playoff chances. Now, I'm not going to tell you they would have won the um, shootout because Stalock didn't look particularly sharp in the shootout. But the fact is that put them up 2-0 in the shootout. And I can't believe it now that, like, shootouts are going to become contentious because refs can't get it right either. <laughs> well, going back to the Penguins, uh, 
you know, I don't think we're paying enough attention to how how good the, or how well the Penguins are playing. Oh. Um, you know, well, they're, they're uh, terrific now. It's gone from being awful to really good. Yeah, and they're uh, no matter who's been hurt. You know, they've right. in there and uh, they've figured out how to do it. I think I looked the other day and they're sixth in goal scoring and sixth in uh, goals against. Yeah. Um, you know, they're a well-rounded team. Well, uh, the one thing, Jeff, I'll tell you this. You know how every year now, it won't be next year, but for the last three, four years, the Fall Classic's been in Pittsburgh every year. So I'm always there. And so I always take in Penguins practices. And I see how Sullivan is with those players and with actually fans and everything else. And that's why last year when people were like saying, oh, I don't know if Sullivan will get fired, I was dead set against it because I see the impact he has daily on the fan base there and on the city and everything else. Sullivan's doing a great job, and that's why that, that whole report last year just didn't even make sense. And, yeah, and, I, I never thought he was really in danger no. uh, last year. And, and to your to your point about their cap management, I mean – they had the money because Gensel was going to be out the rest of the regular season. He might be able to come back for the playoffs, but they had the money on long-term injury from Gensel's contract, which I think was five and a half, something like five and a half million. In the deal with Minnesota, they include Galchenyuk, which probably meant they had to pay a little more to get Minnesota to take Galchenyuk's salary. But he's almost five million. So now, and there's, there are reports that Rutherford is probably going to look to make one more deal before the deadline, probably to 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 uh, uh, bolster their defense because they've had some injuries there with Schultz and Dumoulin being out at times, and Marino's out right now. So. I mean, there's. I mean, I don't know if they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but I think Rutherford is doing everything he possibly can to put enough talent there, and they have two two really good goalies too, Cap. So they, I think they're well positioned. Yeah, no, they, they are, and I, I think you put it best when you said, "I don't know if they're going to win the cup." Uh, you know, uh, Rutherford doesn't either. But for right. some teams, it makes sense to 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 push all in, and you know, the number one is Malkin and Crosby aren't getting any younger. Right. Uh, and they're still playing at an elite level. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's the thing. You know, they're not starting the downward slope. And Yalkin's having his best year, maybe. Yeah, no, they're, they're just playing great. And, you know, you, you got to reward those guys by giving them all the tools they need. The, the, the Gensel loss uh, injury was really difficult, uh, you know, for them, as particularly when they've, you know, just endured all those other injuries and, and managed to play well. And the, the real thing is, as I know Russ has brought this up continuously, uh, Tristan Jerry has been, just been such a, uh, a bonus for them. You know, at the oh, start yeah. of the year, people thought he was going to be traded. Yeah. You know, and, and now, you know, he's been unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, this team, like, you know, who knows? Uh, Tampa's playing pretty well. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, you know, who knows whether they can beat Tampa, but, uh, they've been very good this season, and I, I see them uh, as strong as Washington or Tampa or Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, they can uh, they can compete with any of those teams in my book. I do want to caution people, and because I'm, I bet you they're starting to think, oh, I don't know, the Caps don't look so good. I don't know how far they'll go. The Caps do this now. Ever since they won the President's Trophy, I think they do take their foot off the gas a little bit. They don't care about winning the President's Trophy. They have enough guys that know how to win. And right now, I think they're just hitting that slumpy part of the year where they're not playing at their best. They're not dogging it, but they're not playing at their best. And and I think that's fine where we see Tampa's coming on gangbusters, which we all expected Tampa would, and Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh. But I don't think the Caps care if they come in first or third in that conference. I don't. The I, thing- I, I actually think it's better to finish yeah. uh, second. Uh, yeah. I, you know, you play the third-place team as opposed – you know those wild card teams are always the hottest teams at yep. the end of the team because they've had to go nine and one or eight and two yeah, to get in playoffs for the last month. By the time, yeah, they're yeah, in. yeah. So they're yeah. in playoff mode, and you get yeah. them, and they're they're really fired up because they've made a late charge. And I think there's there's uh, there's no reward for winning the division. I, I no. think you're better off. At least you know what you're getting. You know the number two seed says, you know, we've been better than. And continue to be better than that number three seed, and you know. So, you know, I. What do you guys think about the, uh, you know, the baseball proposal? Oh, oh I hate it! I hate big, it! 
pick who you're going to play. I, that sure would be interesting in the NHL. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. Well, well, let, well, let me just say this, Russ. I'll, I'll, yeah. give, I'll give Jeff Merrick from Sportsnet credit because he mentioned this as a, a good idea for, for the NHL over a year ago. I heard him on, on the podcast that he does say it. I don't know because all, all I know is that this, you know, you're, what are you going to do? You're going to give bulletin board material to another team by saying, okay, we're picking you because we think you suck the most. Yeah, that- well, that's all it'll come across. That's not really how it is, but no, but it'll come across. I'll tell you this. I think it's a horrible idea for the NHL. I can't tell you how many times, and Kev, you, you know this yourself, that you've asked players, well, or GMs, who would you prefer to play? And they always say, I don't care. Or yeah, I know, for sure. But now that it'll be made public, and fans will kill their team if they pick the wrong team. Right. It will be like a new level of, of just hate that would be on Twitter if it happened. I just don't see the positive in it. It will create fake drama. I, I don't like it. I don't think it's a good idea. And, and that's a good word for it. It will create fake drama. You know, from a reporting standpoint, it would be unbelievably yes. you know, fun. Um, but, yes. you know, I, I, you're absolutely right. It, it, you know, what's the benefit? Uh, the, the what they would the argument would be the benefit is just what I said is that sometimes the reward for winning the division right. um, isn't one because right. of how hot the team is. Right. But you know it's always you know you could just draw names out of a hat uh, and you know get the same result. But at least it's random that way. It's still so, better off being random. Or right. if it comes down to the last game or two of a season. And a team legitimately could control who they want to play against. That's fine because they've earned that right. Well, but, you know, yeah, if, if you really wanted to give uh, place greater importance on the regular season, you would simply just uh, seed the teams one through sixteen. Correct. And and you would um, reseed after every round. Right. Now, the argument of that is, um, you know, we did this uh, at USA Today. Uh, it was last year uh, where we did, you know, rule changes that would change. And um, uh, I did it with the NBA writer as well. And he actually interviewed NBA coaches who said that the argument about the travel is silly in today's yes, uh, right. modern NHL. He said that, you know, he said, you know, we, we travel on uh, obviously charters and, you know, guys can stretch out and sleep and, he right. said it's not the same as it was ten years ago. He said so. He thought it was doable. Or, well, or, or both of them did. Um, well, I, I mean, I remember. I remember. I think it was seventy nine to eighty two when it was the one through sixteen. Right. And I remember because the, the Sabers in the first round played Pittsburgh. Then they played some weird matchups. Minnesota, Chicago, Vancouver. Like these all were all first round, and they were best of three, which was really strange. Yeah, when the Rangers played the Kings and they had the melee with Fee. Yeah, yeah, that Nick Fatio, Paul Page, Paul Page yeah. fight. Yes, yes, yes. I will tell you this, Kev. I, I would be in favor of, and the NFL used to do it like this. If you're going one through sixteen, maybe don't reseed because if the number one loses to the sixteen, then they have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So what? They earned it. Well, I think this proposal would throw things upside down too. Yeah, I would. I think I'd, I think I'd reseed, you know, so you can't reseed too. Either way, yeah. I think with this proposal from Major from Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball uh, indicates, or will indicate in 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 reference to hockey, is when the new season. And I'm convinced of this, Kev. Maybe I'll be wrong, and you'll. Yeah, I'm sure if I am wrong, you'll tell me about it. <laughs> that I I believe that there is going to be that the play it, there's going to be playing games, and it's going to be up to twenty teams. Um, you know, we have a playing game between, say, the, the the wild cards, the seventh and eighth, and the ninth and tenth, and they'll do that because that's more that's more revenue. They could sell that as a separate TV contract, like like Major League Baseball does with TBS. I think that it's going that way. Um, there were rumors about it before the last CBA, and then it never, ended up not never happening. But I'll bet you it, it, that's pro- probably what's going to happen in this CBA. Well, I, I am definitely in favor of that. I have been in favor of a play-in for multiple years. and well, I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. I, I Anybody who watches baseball, like I think that's as exciting as the World Series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those one-game playoffs yeah. are so much fun. Like, and, and, and I think it would be the same thing in hockey. Like, you know, you could charge 300 bucks a ticket 
uh, easy on those games. Oh, yeah. I think everybody would just be excited. Uh, and I, you know, the argument against them that it shouldn't come down to a one game. Well, it does anyway. You're just moving right. that from the last game of the regular season to a post game. Right. Or to a postseason game. That's all. Because that's what happens. Sometimes, you you know, it comes down to the final game where one team has to win. Probably the Super Bowl is a one-game playoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not bothered by that. And if you don't like it, don't get into that position. Right. You know, that, that's that's the name of the game. So I think there would be so much interest in that game. I think it would be huge. I think you could sell the TV rights to some, you know, TNT or some yeah. other entities. You create ancillary revenue. Um, I, I think it's just totally excitement. The problem is, um, and I'm actually surprised at this, but Gary Bettman, now, you know, he evolves. Gary Bettman has been opposed to this. Uh, you know, he has said so in press conferences where he's not in favor of that. Right. Um, now, you know, he, he can change his mind for sure, and, um, you know, we can get it. So I, I hope that we see that because I just really enjoy it in baseball, and I think it would work wonders in the, in the NHL. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it, like like you said, Kevin, it, it has come down to a final game. I know like Dallas and Minnesota a couple years ago, game eighty two. There was the, it was determinative one of the, for one of them making the playoffs. Russ remembers Ole Jokinen in the in, in the shootout against Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah you know well, the, the the Leafs a few years ago were depending on New Jersey beating the uh, the uh, the Islanders. The Wade Wade Dublovitz playing in goals. So, so it, it's it's already coming down. Actually, to I was at that game where he won the last game of the year and made it into the playoffs. So. Yeah, it was an it was an Easter Sunday game. Uh, I wanted to get Kev. I wanted to get your uh, input on the news that came down earlier this week. I think the NHL probably was not happy that it came down regarding the IOC and the IIA yeah. basically succumbing to some of the demands that they say. Because the NHL, when they, I think they made their response, they were essentially saying, well, that's great, and that will be, you know, but we still have a problem with going to the Olympics. And I, I think, and I've said this for this is a negotiating point for the CBA, and they want it to remain a negotiating point for the CBA. Yeah, and I, and I think it will be. Um, they, it, but it was capitulation from the IOC, which was important. See, yeah. the, the the lack of interest in uh, in the Olympics by the NHL is multifaceted, but a big part of it was how poorly they were treated, and I completely agree with the NHL on this um, by the IOC. Right. Um, you know, here the the NHL is providing the the talent for these tournaments, disrupting its season, uh, and they were getting nothing in return from the IOC. They weren't getting you know full travel expenses. Right. They weren't uh, basically allowed inside the ropes. Um, they didn't get any marketing rights. Uh, um, their uh, when their owners and uh, general managers and scouts wanted to go, they didn't get any. Uh, special treatment, uh, you know, they, they weren't treated well considering what they were providing that's allowing their players to go. And I always thought it was uh, short-sighted on the IOC uh, mm -hmm. to do that. But there are other elements to this. Obviously, the fear of injury is a major one. Um, you know, uh, uh, obviously in the NHL, profitability is tied to playoff uh, uh, appearances. And the more rounds you go, the more money you make. If you don't make the, the uh, uh, playoffs, it's hard to make money in the NHL. Right. So, if you lose your top player, which, you know, we've seen that happen. We've seen players injured, Tavares, Tasha come to mind. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, that's a legitimate concern as well. Uh, the third element is is that, uh, you know, they got to shut down the season. That causes hardships. It doesn't cause a hardship in Toronto or Boston or with the New York Rangers, but it does a little bit in Nashville and Arizona and Carolina and everything where you got to restart after, you know, people have uh, – uh, kind of lost interest for a couple of weeks. So, you know, all those are legitimate issues. I've always understood that. Saying all that, I don't, you know, I just think the stage of the Olympics is so huge mm -hmm. that you have to go. You have to go. You got to showcase the talent so that you can sell the game in China, sell the game in Japan. Uh, even you even gain, in my opinion, um, some, some fans in America. You know, how many times have I covered the Olympics and, you know, people have been, you know, I remember in uh, Sochi, uh, you know, people were watching uh, uh, Alex Ovechkin played. And I would get emails from people saying, 
tell me about you know Ovechkin. Like, does, what what team does he play for in the NHL? Like, they they didn't follow the NHL. Right. You know? It wasn't their thing, but they loved you know Olympic hockey. So I I just think it's such a huge event, and you know, it, it's just hundred times the visibility of an NHL you know game uh, when you're at the Olympics, and I just think it's worth it. So, but. Mike's also right. It it is a bargaining chip, and even if uh, and I, and I don't think the league wants to go, but even if they're willing to go, they're not going to give it up without being part of a CBA. And you know, hopeful. I think what they really want to use it for is not to gain any specific item. It's to make it an easier extension. Right. So it, you know, it's a final push, saying, "Look, if you." If we had just agreed to this deal as similar to what we have now with some tweaking, you guys can go to the Olympics, which is big to players. They want to go. It's like it's like throwing in rubber floor mats when you're buying a car. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just exhausted by the whole subject. Like, just, <laughs> no, that, yeah, actually, it's probably like um, a good sound system. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Instead of the formats, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's exactly right. They just want to. Well, Mike clearly values the floor mats over the sound system. I think yeah, that's, but, but well, I would be Buffalo. It's slushy here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the other issue of, of this is, is that um, even players that don't go like the Olympic break, like right. you know, yeah. that's a nice, and you know, now we all have those breaks anyway. But, you know, that Olympic break when you can take the family to Disney World, if you're a, a third-pairing defenseman or, a, you know, a, a third-line forward, that, that's, a, that's a nice Benny. You know, every four years, you know, you're going to have be able to take an extended mid-season vacation and go to Cabo or whatever. But, Ross, I think what the NHL has to do, because they haven't done this in the past, they eliminate the All-Star game when, when they go to, go to the Olympics. They might have to eliminate the bye week because and start the season early, like start the season September fifteenth. Cut your preseason games in half. Right. Start training camp a week or two early. Get the season started because otherwise, if I mean the the schedules are compacted as it is. If you're going to have like four games in six nights, four or five times, I mean you're going to have injuries. I think it, they have to adjust the schedule accordingly. Can can I say that if they agree that the Olympic participation is the CBA, can we have one line that says is that there'd be no whining about the compressed schedule during the Olympic year? Because <laughs> <laughs> because you know, like you know, it's going to happen. You sure. know, you'll, you'll hear about it five hundred times during the season, and it, it is true. Like you, we all remember what it's like. You know, they're playing. It feels like they're playing. Uh, you know, two games every three uh, every three days. Uh, All right, so I have I have breaking news. Um, I was just reading an article by Adam Zilanka from the Washington Post, who, because the Capitals are away from their families and wives and girlfriends on Valentine's Day, some of the players got ring tattoos. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I knew I could get a ring tattoo for my wife rather than getting a real ring, boy, that would have been a nice gift one year. And <laughs> they're setting a bad example for the rest of the men in this world. I'm telling you that. And, is, and these are millionaires. They can afford rings. Come on. Yeah. No, no. So they're right. getting ring tattoos because they're going to be away. I, I'm pretty sure my wife would rather have something else other than a ring tattoo. I was going to go to Sam's Club and buy a buy a m massive Cracker Jack box, hoping I could find a ring in there. Uh, anyway. Um, okay. Well, let's one, one thing I wanted to bring up here, because especially since Russ is here, because I know Russ, I'm sure, appreciated this like I did. Um, did you see Alan Walsh's Twitter uh, feed uh, today? I he, always see Alan Walsh's he, Twitter. He went to the Kings game and sat next to a dog the yeah. entire game. And yeah. he, this dog is the most handsome dog, number one. He's a great-looking dog. Great-looking dog. And Alan reported that the dog watched all three periods. Right. Hopefully. So the, apparently the dog is quite a hockey fan. It was the first tweet this year that I enjoyed from Alan Walsh. Yeah, and, well, and, and he apparently did not uh, bring break out his cell phone during at any point in the game. So the dog actually watched the game as opposed and to – And the dog didn't complain about Gary Bettman incessantly like Alan Walsh does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am proud. I am proud to say that one of the few, one of the few people who have blocked me on Twitter has been Alan Walsh. So I didn't uh, see that tweet. It was a great tweet. Yeah. Um. Just a couple things about a couple games last night, and it just we'll end the show in a few minutes here. You sort of buried the lead here, Mike. I thought you would have gotten to this already. 
what the the Dallas Toronto game? Yeah, yeah. The, the in the, now the thing is, I think this was wrong because I, I I watched the what was reported was that Dallas scored on the first shot of every period. It was a three two win for the Stars. But I, I, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I thought Anderson made the stop on the first shot, and then the rebound was scored. That's what I thought too on that one. But they, but they, they guess they counted that as the first, as the first okay. shot. But Kev, this has been symptomatic of the Maple Leafs, and they're, you know, they're a young team defensively. They're, they're just not a, for, a formed franchise. They just haven't been for the last few years, and they allowed the first goal on the first shot. Frederick Anderson did in each period. And that, I mean, that was the reason they lost that game. And I, I don't know. There, there seems to be a level of frustration with that organization regarding how to play defense and whether this is sort of like what Washington went through before Barry Trotz got there. They have so much offensive talent and they think they can outscore everything, but they just can't, especially when it gets tight at the end of the year, they're, they're allowing goals that they shouldn't allow and uh, it may be to their downfall. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a common theme throughout NHL history. Um, that is, is that high-scoring teams get to the postseason, and in particular, and find out that the game is played completely different than the, in the eighty-two game regular season. And I think the, the Capitals is a uh, is a good comparison um, because they were like that as well. They had you know they had Ovechkin, they had Backstrom. They were a team that could score a lot of goals, but we all know what playoff hockey is like. You know, you you there's always a guy right by your side. Uh, you know, there's no room, um, and you know it's it's hard enough to to create any measure of scoring chances in the postseason. So even elite level teams struggle. So you know they got to figure out a way to do it, which is why you know I and I still feel this way. I still feel that Kyle Dubas is going to make a, a a trade for a defenseman. I yeah, know, I think he's going to try. I, I, I I think he. I think he'll get one, and I think, and I've argued about this on my other podcast with Tom Laidlaw. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think that that could make a difference one guy, but I think he can. No, you, can for that team. 20, 20 minutes of if a guy who thinks nothing about the de- except defense, yeah, um, is out there. That's a third of the game. Right. I, I think the odds are higher now, be based on what happened last night, because Andreas Janssen suffered a knee yeah, injury. Yeah, that, that was and, a rough one. And when I asked Sheldon Keefe after the game, he says it's not going to be short term, which means you know, and we're talking, you know, what are we, eight, seven, eight weeks before the end of the regular season? If it's a serious knee injury, then he could be out the rest of the regular season. Okay, so it, now this is where I call the timeout and say. If they don't call up Jeremy Bracco, then they never intend to use him ever as a leaf. Well, Russ, something is, I, I don't know what's going on, but Jeremy Bracco is uh, on indefinite leave right now for personal reasons. So, right. No, I know, but I'm just saying if he, if he doesn't come back and they don't use him, then there's definitely something going on. The yeah. other thing I want to mention is Jason Robertson playing his first game, got his first NHL assist. I brought that up yesterday that he was getting a call up. He's a big physical kid with a great shot. That is a guy who could really help the stars down the stretch. The other thing is, and this was totally predictable. Yesterday, Kev, I said, you know, Tyler Sagan hasn't scored in 12 games. And oh, yeah. He gets a goal because he has like seven. Well, now it's like eight goals in 15 games against the Leafs. Like it's a, it's, a, it's almost a guarantee. What's remarkable about the stars, given where they're at in the standings, is you look at their top three players, Ben Sagan and Klingberg. They're, they're all having inferior seasons. Like, yeah. you know, last year they couldn't get any secondary scoring. They were a one-line team. And this year it's been the exact opposite. Like, they got everybody else going. But they don't have their start. And, and Pavelski hasn't had a great year. He's the one, yeah. I have the answer. Only because I, I listened to Marty Turco, a guy who I've spoken a lot to over the years. So the one thing Rick Bonus is actually known for is defense. Yeah. And Rick Bonus has really instituted a defensive system there that's working better than what they had going. Yeah. And I think that's a part of it. And also Turco brought up a really nice thing with Jeff Merrick. They both did that Radic Faxa has like become a shutdown guy. Yeah. And so while they do have all these offensive guys not quite kicking, their defense and goaltending is good. And that's that's doing it for them right now. It's amazing that three, three, four years ago they were an undisciplined offensive first team, and now they're now they're a shutdown team. Now, last, well, last, we should have been really happy yesterday. I mean, really happy because the Leafs had a fight, 
And I, I can't believe you're not really happy over that. No, you know, I'm, tell, I'm telling you one thing, Russ. That building was dead. The team was dead. Clifford fought Jamie Alexiak, and it, it helped them get back in that game. I think that was it was valuable. They, they really need more of that. And, boy, the fans really hated it because they, they were sitting in their seats and they were just holding their hands. They didn't do a thing. Um, la, last thing, Kev, um, the Coyotes lose to Ottawa last night. Um, they have an opportunity here with McDavid out to catch and pass the Oilers, but they've just been in the in yeah. the dregs of a struggle right now. And I, and I I don't know whether it's you know Taylor Hall's not playing well. Phil Kessel's doesn't doesn't I think he has four goals at five on five. I mean it's it's surprising. Is it all that Kemper's not there or yeah. no? It it is. I mean yeah. they're a team. They're a defensive team now, and uh, you know they don't score a lot of goals. Uh, you know. And, you know, one guy couldn't make a difference. Taylor Hall's numbers are respectable mm-hmm. since he's come over there. You know, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been dominant, but he's, he's been fine. You know, he's doing what he's supposed to do. But Kemper is too crucial to that team. Like, they need him in there uh, and, uh, the, you know, the defense. And, you know, they, they're another team. Like you mentioned that, uh, you know, Kessel hasn't been unbelievable. Ekman Larson hasn't yeah. been unbelievable. Right. Uh, that's another one as well. Like he, you know, you look at his point totals, they should be much, much higher. Uh, yeah. Their yeah. best defenseman has been, been Chikra. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's right. right. And, and I do want to, the last thing I'll say is all hail torts because he is going to bleed out the loser point in every one of these games, losing all of these players and yeah. stay in the, in the race. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. He's been at Tortorella is not only coach of the year, he's been the Blue Jackets MVP. He really is. Yeah. No, I, I like, you know, sometimes coaches get too much credit, not in Columbus. Agreed. Good good note to end on here. All right, great show, guys. Uh, have a happy weekend, everyone. Uh, we will be back on Monday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. For Kevin Allen, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and remember with all.